thank you for this Lord's Day that we get to gather as a church on the first day of the week and celebrate, Lord, your victory, to, to renew our faith, to renew our trust, to worship you in spirit and truth, as John chapter 4 says, and then, Father, to dive into your word. Feed us this morning, Lord. Let us go out of here revived, rejuvenated, committed to living for you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You may have a seat. You may have a seat. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This morning, we're going to finish up chapter 2. We, uh, chapter 2, we broke it into three parts. And this morning, we'll finish up. 1 John chapter 2, we're looking at verses 18 through 20. Let's, let's excuse me, 18 through 29, but I want to read to you to, to get, get our minds going in the right direction, verses 18 through 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour that they went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. The title of my message this morning from this passage of Scripture is The Spirit of the Antichrist. The Spirit of the Antichrist. And what I want to do is I want to answer in my verse-by-verse teaching this morning, I want to answer two questions. Two questions that I want you to leave here this morning having the answer to. And the first one is this. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? That's question number one. And the second question is, what has God done to protect you and I from falling into the deception of the spirit of the Antichrist? As we look here in uh, 1 John chapter 2. This week, I got an email from uh, Calvary Chapel Old Bridge, Pastor Lloyd Pulley, and he, he knows a lot of missionaries in the Middle East, and we all, unless you're hiding under a rock, you've seen what's happening in the news, and we're going to close service today a special, different way, praying for, um, for some needs of the church, praying for what's going on in Afghanistan and what's going on with COVID-19, but Pastor Lloyd got an email from missionaries uh, and pastors and Christians that are in Afghanistan, in the Middle East, and right now things are not looking good for them. They're, they're experiencing a lot of persecution. You know, they say, they're saying the Taliban is going door to door, you know, and they're um, persecuting people that are not of their religion. What our brothers and sisters in Christ and pastors and missionaries in, in the Middle East are facing today is exactly what you and I are looking at this morning the spirit of the Antichrist. So we're going to dive into this text. We're going to look at the spirit of the Antichrist and how to protect us. And we're going to close this service today in a special way, unique way, praying for our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution in the Middle East, specifically in everything that's going on in Afghanistan. So y'all ready to dive into this passage? All right, let's do it, guys. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. John says, Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that the Antichrist 
is coming, even now many antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. First off, the first thing that grabs my heart when I look at this verse is how he opens up verse 18. He says, children. If you have a King James Version, I believe it says, little children. Padilla. John speaks to his body, to his believers, as a loving, caring shepherd. Okay? He, he has a, a shepherd's heart towards these people. He understands that he is overseeing the people of God. And he uses this phrase, the Greek word is padia, little children. He's talking to, to the sons and daughters of the king. And he's saying, listen, watch out, be careful. This is going to come about. But I'm letting you know now so you can prepare your heart and mind and understand and not fall for the spirit of the Antichrist. If you notice in verse 18, the word Antichrist is used twice. Once with an S, look at it, once with an S, and once without an S. The, the two words that are used in this verse, Antichrist, these two Antichrists have two different meanings. They have two different meanings. The first one, he said in the opening of verse 18, he says, you heard that the Antichrist is coming. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about there, about the, the man of lawlessness that will rule during the great tribulation. Family, there is coming an hour upon this earth where there will be a seven-year tribulation period where God turns his attention back to the nation of Israel, and in the process, he pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. And there will be the, open, the first Antichrist in this verse, he mentions in verse 18, there will be a wicked evil Satan in the flesh ruler that according to Daniel chapter 7 verse 20 he will be great in appearance Revelation chapter 13 verse 6 he will hate and blaspheme God Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 says he will sign a peace treaty with Israel Revelation 13 16 he will control a global economy he will promote a one world religion it says uh, during the great tribulation he will perform signs and wonders. He will be commanded to be worshipped. He will hate Jesus and anything to do with Christianity. According to Revelation chapter 19, verse 19, he will make war against the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a big mistake. To make war against God, I wonder who's going to win that battle. God. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, you can look it up. Christ, when he makes war, when the Antichrist makes war against Jesus, Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth. See, you and I live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God in the Holy Scriptures. But this Antichrist is going to suffer a defeat by the breath of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And the, 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 the Antichrist is first talked about in verse 18. His ultimate destination will be the lake of fire. Because he says, children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. But he says in the second half of the verse, even now many Antichrists have appeared. So he's saying, but he's, he said, there's an Antichrist coming, but, but many have appeared. And what John is telling us here in this verse is his spirit... That wicked, evil, Satan, incarnate person 
that's going to rule during the Great Tribulation. His spirit is already at work in the world. You see, the spirit, you have the Antichrist, then you have the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is in operation today. And those are wicked, evil spirits under Satan's domain that influence people to be, just as the word, think about it, Antichrist, break them apart, makes them anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. They oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. They fight against him. Uh, it comes in the form of false teachers. It comes in the form of New Age cults. But and these are people that either deny Christ or they distort the Jesus of the Bible. Where do they come from? How do we, how do we, where, where do we look? How do we find these people? Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, they went out from us. Hmm. But they were not really of us. For if they had been with us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Where does it say they come from? What does your Bible say? It says they come from within the church. Or they, they come from within the physical, religious, Christian community. So they, they, there's a, a religious element to these people that have the spirit of the Antichrist, according to John. In 1874, in the year 1874, there was a minister by the name of Charles Russell. He was part of the Presbyterian Church. But he left the church in 1874 because there were things in the Bible that he rejected. Not, not, not things that are gray area, but crystal clear doctrines of the Bible. He left the church because he didn't like them. He, he rejected, uh, Charles Russell is well documented, he rejected the deity of Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord and God, and he began teaching that Jesus was a created being. He rejected the doctrine of hell and eternal torment, thus he began the doctrine of annihilation, that people cease to exist. He rejected the doctrine of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Charles Russell founded the movement of what we call today as the Jehovah Witness. Charles Russell, at the essence of his doctrine and theology, is anti-biblical. Is anti-biblical because the, I mean, any verse, every single book in the New Testament testifies to one thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ is God. And that is a hill, Christian, that you and I will die on, Okay? You, we, we will die on that, on that hill. And why did Jesus die on the cross? To save us from the eternal penalty of our sin in a place called hell. Okay? He died for that reason so we could be forgiven of our sins so that we wouldn't have to suffer the consequences for our sin, but Jesus suffered the consequences on the cross. Amen. Another hill we, we live and die, we, 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 we live and die on is the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Man, that's from Genesis to Revelation. We hold to those things. And when anyone goes against those things, not saying they're not, not, not talking about people that are struggling and trying to wrestle and trying to figure it out, but people that come out and make a bold statement and go anti the Bible of the Jesus, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. But what is verse 19? Looking at verse 19, what does it reveal to you and I? about the, here it is, not the Antichrist, because he just briefly mentions him in verse 18. But what does it tell us about the spirit 
of the Antichrist. He says in verse 19, they were not really of us. They went out. That tells me that the spirit of the Antichrist, uh, this person with the spirit of the Antichrist, they are divisive. They do not submit to the authority of God's word. They oppose solid Bible teaching. They oppose the gospel. And in many cases, unfortunately, their their goal is to uh, manipulate and to control people. Family, that's the signs of a false prophet, a false teacher. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. But God, in his grace, in his power, in his omniscience, in the greatness of who he is, he has done something to protect you and me. He's done something for us. He's done something. He's put a mechanism in place to protect you from falling into deception, from from believing the lies of the devil, to, to, to abiding in Christ and protecting us from the spirit of the Antichrist. What has he done for us? Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. That's where he's going with this text. Verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Friends and family, God is faithful. God is faithful. He loves us. He cares for us. And not only does he love us and he cares for us, but he protects us. How does God protect us from the deception of the Antichrist? See, when you read a verse, you, you, you have to understand it within, within the context of the couple of verses before it and the couple of verses after it, okay? And so how does he protect us from the deception of the Antichrist? It says there in verse 20, but you have an anointing. You have an anointing. Now, what does that word mean? What does this word anointing mean? The word anointing is a descriptive word that describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life today, okay? In our life today, there is the the anointing of the Holy Spirit that fills us, that covers us. In the Old Testament, which is where this word came from, in the Old Testament, the anointing ceremony, oil would be poured over the priest's head. And that anointing from the oil would be poured over his head, and what would it do? It would run down, and it would cover his whole entire body. That's what the anointing ceremony looked like in the Old Testament for the priest. They poured oil. They didn't pour it on their chest or their shoulders or their hands or their feet. They started with the head because they wanted it to go from top to bottom. The anointing of the Holy Spirit today completely covers you completely saturates you, teaches us. And yes, I do believe today there is an extra measure of the Holy Spirit poured on us when we are yielded to the Spirit. When we get up in the mornings and we say, Lord, I give you control today. Holy Spirit, I'm going to renew my mind in the Word of God. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to lead me and guide me and give me an extra measure. Give me an anointing. That's what God has given us to protect us. He's given us the word of God to renew our minds, and he's given us an anointing, the Holy Spirit, that like the Old Testament priest, 
It covers you. It protects you. It saturates you. But you have a responsibility. You got to be yielded. You got to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I will yield to you. Yes, Lord, I will obey your word. And we do that, I believe the Christian is completely protected from the spirit of the Antichrist. It's through the anointing, this word that, that um, John is using here. We need not forget that the ministry of the Holy Spirit still exists today. Okay, We talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about the Son, but we need to remember there's a third member of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to operate in and through our lives. And we can trust the Holy Spirit and trust the Word of God to protect us from falling into deception. You know, that's one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago. We need to be good Bereans. You know what the Bereans did? The Bereans, when Paul went to Berea and he was preaching, it said the Bereans diligently studied the scriptures to make sure what Paul was saying was correct. Okay? If they've got to examine Paul, guess what? They've got to examine everybody else. You know, be a good Berean, understanding, growing in the word, but don't forget the Holy Spirit. And ask for the Holy Spirit's daily help to lead you and guide you in life. Don't forget him. There is an anointing, the Holy Spirit, from the Holy One, according to verse 20, that protects us from this wicked, evil spirit in the world. Let's look at verse 21 and 22. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, and the one who denies the Father, uh, excuse me, this is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. You see, the spirit of the Antichrist in the world is the one who denies the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They despise the cross. They mock the resurrection. They laugh at it. As if it is a fairy tale. And it's not. It's true. It's real. Uh, the spirit of the Antichrist in the world today, they reject his virgin birth. The spirit of the Antichrist today tries their very best to turn Jesus into just another human being. Okay? Yes, he was flesh. He was human. But he was also God. They call it the hypostatic union. 100% God. 100% man. You find, you find it hard to wrap your mind around that concept? Welcome to the club. But that's what the scripture teaches. He was the God man. He was pure and perfect deity. And people that take these positions the, against the clear teachings of his cross, his resurrection, his virgin birth, his deity, his ascension, and his specialty of, of being unique and being God. People who take these positions are filled with the spirit of the Antichrist. And according to verse um, according to verse 21, this person is a liar. This is a liar. Man, the, the, the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, man, he, this is black and white, okay? John's leaving no room for gray. John uses the, every single week. We're going to be seeing contrast in the scripture. John separates light from darkness, the left from the right, truth from error, lies from heresy, heaven from hell. He, he divides it right down the line. 
so it can be crystal clear in our minds. Let's continue, verse 23. Verse 23 says, and he's continuing the same thought process. Whoever denies the son does not have the father. The one who confesses the son has the father also. You see, man's salvation hinges on his response to the gospel. And it's real simple. This is not rocket science. My kids understand this. Your kids can understand this. If you confess and trust Christ, you have the Father. You have forgiveness. You have eternal life. But if you make the foolish mistake of denying the Son, you do not have the Father or forgiveness or eternal life. Why? Because the only way to the Father is through the Son. A Bible passage I know many of you know. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. We all love it. We love to use it in witness encounters. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what's the next verse say? After he says, I am the way, the truth, life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In other words, there's no other path. It's the, you go through the cross or you don't go at all. That's what Jesus is saying in John chapter 14. He is the exclusive and the only way. And if we confess him, trust him, love him, believe in him, we have the blessings of the Father. Verse 24, he says, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father. This, and I love this verse 25, this is the promise which he himself made to us, which is what? Eternal life, eternal life forever. God's presence, God's power, the promise of heaven, the, 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 the infilling and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, one day that he will return. But ultimately, eternal life is not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a vain hope. What is it, church, according to verse 25? The promise. The promise. He has promised you these things if you will trust him, if you will love him. He has promised these things. In other words, we can bank our life on it more than anything else in this world, even though it seems like everything is going you know where. But this is the one sure thing in life that we can bank our life on. And that is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and being a Christian and loving him with all of our hearts. Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we pursue him. We love him. We long for him. We want him in our lives. And all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. And this promise he has made to us is a real promise that we can bank our lives on at the end of the day. Verse 26. Look at verse 26. He says, uh, these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. If you think you can't be deceived, you are fooling yourself. No one, including myself, including you, is beyond being deceived. That's why when it comes to spiritual matters, man, we got to have our defenses on. We got to have our guard on. We got to look at everything, listen to everything, and take in everything through the lens of the scriptures. 
It's called having a biblical world view. If you listen to the spirit of this age, if you listen to the philosophies of this world, you will be deceived. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and man's thinking rather than on the word of Christ. But here's the good news. But if you will listen to the word of God and make it your top priority, what did Jesus say? You will what? You will know what? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Deception is real, and no one is beyond falling. That's why we have to protect ourselves and guard ourselves. And how do we protect and guard ourselves? By wrapping his word around our heart. Filling our minds with the word of God and meditating on the scriptures. That guards us. That protects you. That keeps you from falling into a cult or false teaching. You know, you'll, you'll be somewhere, you'll be in a church service or you'll be watching a TV preacher or someone and you'll hear things that aren't biblical and the, the little alarms will go off. Why? Because you've got the word of God in your heart and you've got the word of God in your mind. God has given it to us to protect us and lead us and guide us along the way. Verse 27. Verse 27, back at... Um, Back at verse 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You know, what is the anointing? What, what, what is a good definition of the anointing? Actually, a good definition of the anointing is found in verse 27. So verse 27 actually explains verse 20. Let's look at it. Verse 27. He says, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And now, now as we read these words, I want you to ask yourself, do these words sound familiar? Do these words sound familiar that John uses in this epistle that, that we've heard Jesus say back in the Gospel of John? But verse 27, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and not a lie. And just as it has taught, you abide in him. These are the exact same words that Jesus uses to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer in the um, Gospel of John. That we abide, that, 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 that we abide in him and that he will teach you about all things. This family is our ultimate safeguard from the spirit of the Antichrist. That we abide, here it is, that we abide in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that we be so filled and so yielded to the Spirit of God and the Word of God that there is no room for deception. Jesus said in John chapter 14 uh, verses 15 through 17, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and be within you. Jesus in John chapter 14 is describing the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit. These are like almost parallel passages. How do we abide in Christ? That word abide, by the way, it means to stay with and not leave. To stay with and not leave. 
The Holy Spirit comes in us. He stays with us. He does not leave us. And we have a responsibility also not to leave the Lord behind, but stay close to him. But uh, the, the uh, word abide, looking at John chapter 14, we abide in the love of Christ. We abide in his love. In other words, you walk in the love of Christ. You walk in the love of God. You walk in an, in, in an abiding love for Jesus Christ. In other words, your life continues and goes forward. And in your heart of hearts, you say, Lord Jesus, I love you. You know, there's a heartfelt emotion and affection within our human soul for the things of God and for the Lord. That's what it means to abide, to love him. And after you love him, abiding, back in John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Abide means that in our love for Jesus, we obey Jesus. We obey him. And then when you put what John is saying here in verse 27, and also what John says in, uh, what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, what we see in that word abide is an intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand God is dwelling on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you. And you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You can ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. You can ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. You can take that thing, whatever you're facing in life, that difficulty, that challenge, and you can say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, help me in this area. Give me the victory. I put my trust in you. That's what he's talking about when he talks about abiding in the Spirit and how we protect ourselves from the spirit of the age is found in abiding in Christ and abiding in his word. And it makes one heck of a life. It makes an awesome, it makes a life, I would, there's nothing in this world I would trade for serving Christ. Christ has been so good to me for 26 years. He has been good, he has been faithful, and there's never been one reason to abandon my relationship with him. Pastor David, are you saying no bad things have happened? Oh, I've had no bad things have happened to you in your life. I've had a lot of bad things. I've faced a lot of tragedy. I've faced a lot of difficulties, sicknesses, diseases, and watching people pass. And times have been difficult. But God has been faithful through it all. And because of that, I want to abide in him. I want to live for him because of his greatness. I want to abide. I want to walk in this anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I, and I grew up, and I still believe it to this day, that when you talk about that word anointing, I just want to add this in there, is I believe that the, the anointing is an extra measure, an extra measure of the Holy Spirit. Because when you get saved, when you become born again, you get 100% of the Holy Spirit, okay? You have, you have all the Holy Spirit. But, but I believe when we are yielded, and we are submitted to him, I believe there's an extra measure. And that extra measure comes in gifts, talents, prayer language, the ability to minister. Maybe you have the, maybe before you got saved, you didn't have this gift, but after you got saved, you were given the gift of hospitality and caring for people. Maybe God has given you an extra measure to minister to children. But there's an extra measure 
in the anointing that I believe God operates in and gives us gifts to build the kingdom and to build the body of Christ. Maybe before you got saved, encouragement was the last thing on your mind. You're like, I was not encouragement. I was a mean-spirited, didn't care about people. And then all of a sudden you got saved, started serving the Lord, and all of a sudden God started giving you an extra measure. And in that extra measure, that anointing of the Spirit, you're like, man, I want to encourage people. I want to help people. So there is an extra measure of God, the Holy Spirit, of the anointing when we abide in Christ. See, we have to, we have to go back to the, to the, to the fuel pump. <laughs> and we have to go back to our prayer closet. We have to go back to the Word. We have to resubmit, re-yield, recommit our lives and say, Lord, let me abide in you. Let me abide and let me walk in your presence. You know, let that be a daily prayer. Lord, let me abide in your presence. Let me sense the reality of you in my life. Let's do that, family. Let's finish up these last two verses. And we have something special prepared. Verse 28, 29. He says, now little children abide. Here it is, that, that word again that John loves. Now little children abide in him. So when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. That is the key to living the Christian life. From now to the day Christ returns. He may come this afternoon. It may be years, maybe decades, maybe way beyond our time. No man knows the day or the hour. But that's what will take the Christian to the day of his return, whenever that day is, is that we continue to abide in Christ. You know you're abiding right now because we're studying the word together. We're looking at what the scripture says. And the Holy Spirit has given us faith. And, and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit is stirring in our hearts. But we need to do that. We need to abide till he comes. And in verse 29, if you know that, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Again, verse 28, the command is to abide until he comes. Uh, verse 29, the evidence of our abiding will be our obedience. See, that abiding is more than just, it, it starts with love and devotion and commitment, but that abiding work of the Spirit in our lives that comes from spending time with Him, it produces an obedient life. Family, this is how, this is how we, we, we face this evil spirit in the world. Everything is collapsing around us right now. It's difficult times. You know, unless you're hiding under a rock and you haven't been watching what's going on in the news, we are living in very difficult days. We are living in very difficult days. Everything from COVID-19 taking place to the debacle in Afghanistan and our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East. There is a lot going on in this world. There's a lot of, well, I think what my wife calls, there's a lot of crazy going on. And it can make your head spin. And if it troubles your heart, you know, stay off of social media. Stay off of social media. Don't watch the news. Take that time that you spend on social media and seeing all the crazy going on. Take it and replace it with spending time with the Lord. Here at Calvary Chapel, you know, we, we want to teach the word. We want to build the Christians. We want to help you guys grow out and serve Christ. But at the same time, we see what's going on in our world. So we're going to close service now with a special prayer. And what, what we want to do is uh, 
I've asked uh, Bud to come up. Bud Wilson's going to come up, and he is going to um, pray for our friends and our family that are affected by COVID-19. We have um, people in our church right here that's been in our church that is in the IC unit at Lexington Medical Center. So we want to um, pray for those who are affected by COVID-19. It's raging all around us. So we want to pray for them. And then after Bud prays, he's going to turn it over to Maurice. And Maurice is going to pray for the body of Christ in Afghanistan. I'd ask you to microwave, microphone. I'd ask you to, uh, as I pray, join with me. I'm going to pray slowly and uh, just give you a chance in the audience just to pray in your hearts to the Lord as well to join me. And uh, as we, we're going to pray for these three, in these three different ways here, um, I think we have an opportunity right now. Um, and it's not to get angry at people over what they decide to do about a shot. We need to be praying for people to get saved and come to know Jesus. That's, this is an opportunity right now we have. And so um, back away from that fight and that argument and, and love people and walk by faith. I think that's what we have to do. So... Number one here, I'm going to uh, pray for, uh, you know, just that we can remind people of the brevity of life and, and be witnesses uh, and, and lead people to Christ. That's the first part of our prayer. Let's pray. Father, help us during this time. It's difficult. Uh, there are challenges. I believe that the enemy uh, is coming against us in the church as well as just the world at large. So, Father, help us to be like Jesus, to be full of grace and truth, and to be your witnesses in these last days, to, to speak the truth of the gospel, and to love people and to lead them to Jesus. Help us to use this time and take advantage of it. And right now, Father, I'm going to pause and just as we're all going to think of people we know that we work with, that we love, that need you. Father, for those neighbors and loved ones, we pray in Jesus' name that you would draw them to yourself and help us to have the words to say as we open our mouths that we might proclaim Jesus to them during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> and then the second thing we're going to pray for is just recovery from the sickness and the healing. Um, I brought my phone up here. I just want to read. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I encourage you to. I prescribe that you read it today. Psalm 91 has helped me through this, through this uh, pandemic. I'm just going to read the first verse or two. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. So uh, as we pray for our loved ones, again, I'm going to pray, have a little bit of pause time. You think about people you know. We do have someone uh, in our own fellowship, Carmen Greenley, uh, who's in the hospital, her husband Leslie. We need to pray for both of them that 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 God would give grace to Leslie. And um, there's others you may know that you work with. I know some people I work with. Kate and I have a a really good friend, Deb Ward, and um, she's at risk. She's in the hospital with it. So just let me let me pr lead us in prayer, and you pray for those in your heart as I pray.
Father, you are the great physician. You have created everything. You know all things. And there is nothing beyond your power. So believing that and knowing that, we come to your throne of grace now and we pray, Father, for those that we know that are struggling with the sickness. And all around the room now, Father, we're thinking about those that we love, that we know, that we work with, that have this. So we're praying for them now, Father. Would you heal them? Would you be with them right now as they struggle? Perhaps even struggling to breathe, Father, as we pray. Would you be with them? Remind them of your great love for them. And may they find joy and peace because of their relationship with you. And we do pray for healing, Father. You are a healer. And we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, um, you know, this is a real thing. Uh, people have lost people, um, loved ones, to this, to this disease. So we want to just pause, stop now, and pray for those that... Uh, have lost loved ones, and if you know of anybody, you know, again, just in your hearts, in your seats, pray for those, for that family and for those people. Let's pray. Father, for those that have lost loved ones, would you be with them, Father? You are the God of all comfort. You are the Father of mercies. Every mercy that ever comes, it, it, it's fathered, it comes from you. And so we, we take comfort in that and pray for our friends and loved ones now, fathers. We think about them that have lost loved ones to this disease. Father, heal their hearts and draw them closer to you through this and help them to move forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We know uh, what's been going on over there in Afghanistan, and, um, and I didn't really know what was going on until Pastor David called me and asked me to pray. Um, but they need us to pray for them. What I saw was going on in Afghanistan, uh, I thought about how easy uh, we have it here. And I believe the, uh, the Lord was showing me when our time come, what are we going to do? And uh, I hope that we will stand just like our brothers and sisters are standing over there. But they need our prayers to stand. Um, so that's what we're going to pray. Up, up on the screen, we see that we need to pray for their faithfulness to Jesus.
for their strength to endure persecution and difficulties and the boldness to be a witness. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for our sisters, our brothers and sisters that are over there going through this persecution, God. Lord, I just pray for their faithfulness to you. Despite what they're going through, Lord, Lord, I just pray, Father, that they would just uh, cling to you and cling to your word. Even when persecution comes their way, Lord, I pray, Father, that we, they would just stand. Despite what they're going through, Lord, I pray, Father, that they would just trust you all the way. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would, they would set the example for us, set the standard for us when our time comes to just stand on what you say. Not on what we see, but on your word. Not what the world says, but on your word and trusting you. We have it so easy here, God. And I believe that you're showing us that when our time comes here in America, How are we going to stand? Are we really trusting in you? Are we really trusting in you, God, standing on what you say? Lord, I pray that you would give us that boldness despite what we're going through. Despite what the world says, that we will have that boldness for you to stand on your word to preach the gospel. Lord, we need you. They need you. God, give us the strength, God, to just rely totally on you, God. We love you. And we praise you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name, we do pray and give honor and thanks. Amen. And amen. Guys, have a blessed week. Be praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Let's be praying for those affected by COVID-19. And let's, let's come together and be Jesus to this world. Amen.